We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. IB Nation Sports Talk is up and running. Three somewhat smiling faces. Vince D'Addario, Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers, of course. Glad to have you with us here today on IB Nation Sports Talk. This must be a special show because Neil Toth says he didn't go to work for this. I don't I don't know like what well, part specifically you showed up for. I hope it's not Kenny Minchie talk because <laughs> if it is, you might as well just go to work. <laughs> this is what I'm more worried about right here from Derek. That the show better be on fire because he's skipping his kid's first dance recital. Oh my gosh! I hope you're being sarcastic and you're he joking. He skipped couples counseling last week, didn't he? What wasn't that Derek that skipped the couples counseling last week? <laughs> he must have done that on your guys' show. <laughs> oh boy, man! Nick left work for this. Like you guys this are was... out of control. No kidding, man. The expectations are high tonight. We've hey. got uh, a lot of different things that we're going to get to. You know, I asked, we, we talked a little bit at the end of the week. The Tyler Buckner talk came up. I asked Marcus Freeman a follow up to that today about a bowl game. So we're going to be talking about, I mean, that's in the title of the show. So, of course, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about uh, Phil Jerkovic's Instagram comments. We're going to be talking about 21 and 31 running back personnel. We're going to be talking about Steve Angeli and why he didn't play Saturday. What else do you guys want to talk about? I mean, I think that right there is like a whole week's worth of content jammed into maybe 90 minutes or so. And we only have a couple shows this week, so we got to make sure we got to make yeah. it count. So we're off tomorrow, so we got to make it count. We are. Jess, you haven't said anything yet. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's been a long work day, but uh, we are here now us the us also pulled out a draw that was unsatisfying after a very dominant first half in the the world cup so the dumbest foul in the box i've ever seen i don't understand why you would ever attack an offenseman from behind in the box go to the ground i was talking to my kid who is a defenseman he's like dude you never go to the ground against somebody in the box what do you do like it was just a dumb play (laughs) <laughs> okay, this is the wrong show for all this garbage. So Wait, you guys, if you want to, you know, if Brian wants you to do a football show, you can do, do, go do a football show someplace <laughs> else. We're talking about real football hey, on this show. The world's okay? pastime, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Top takeaway 
from the 44-0 win over Boston College. I'll start with uh, Coach Diderio and roll it over to the stocking cap boy who's kind of looking like uh, a little bit like, uh, what's that, where's Waldo, but with different colors today. So <laughs> with the glasses and everything. I know. Uh, my my biggest takeaway is that this team can actually play a complete game start to finish. I mean, they they you could say it was a complete game against Clemson, but this was even more of a complete game, I think, on both sides of the ball. It was great to see. They never relinquished any kind of control to this game. The, you know, the defense played well. I don't I, The defense didn't play great. They played really well, right? The offense, I thought, was clicking on about as many cylinders as they're going to be able to click on this year. Uh, they... I don't want to say they maximized their abilities, but they showed what they can do. And I was very happy about what I saw from Tommy Reese and his play calling and the manner in which he went about the game plan. There was a lot of good things in the game plan. So, you know, this is about as complete a game as Notre Dame has played all season. And it's right on schedule for yet another top 10 battle, you know, that they have in front of them. So, yeah. It's it's good. I mean, it, it, nothing bad came out of out of Saturday, so it's good. I'm I'm looking forward to this week. Yeah, I, I like a lot of what Vince said there. This was their most complete game, start to finish. Obviously, when you score 44 points and give up zero points, that's just dominance on both sides of the ball. Um, I really enjoyed the way that Notre Dame has played defensively up to now, and I think that they're going to provide USC with its biggest test of the season when it comes to a secondary and, and obviously USC's biggest strength. Uh, is Caleb Williams in their passing game. So I think it's it's good on good for the upcoming game between USC's offense and, and Notre Dame's secondary. And it was nice to see, you know, Benjamin Morrison, obviously, again, with the three interceptions. It, it's good anytime you can get one interception, but to pull off three interceptions, um, I just think it showed that they're, do- you know, the dominant game plan uh, that they had defensively. So really looking forward to that matchup between USC and Notre Dame. What a day for that guy, Benjamin Morrison. What are the last three weeks for Benjamin Morrison? I'll save that for rapid fire since we've got that later on. But, I mean. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
this is going to be the show. You know, I'm not Baghdad Bob by any means, but I've got nothing negative to say at all. They did. I said going into this game, this needed to be a game where we knew from start to finish who the better team was. And that's what we saw all day Saturday. Were there a couple mistakes here and there? Of course, it's a football yeah. game. Someone's going to make a mistake here or there. It was it was beautiful to see. It was beautiful see, to see the snow flying around out there as well. In the second half, that was a lot of fun. Said, you know, said that, you know, wanted to see the snow. It's always like you remember the games and just performances. Isaiah Foskey, last play of the first half, and we were doing our over-under on sacks on Saturday. Vince called it right. He thought it would be under one and a half sacks. Foskey got exactly one, but we both said he would get it in the second quarter, and he gets it on the last play of the second quarter. Nailed, Nailed it. it. <laughs> That's right. And it was it was beautiful. They scored on their first eight possessions. They played complimentary football, offense, defense. You know, did they have to settle for a few field goals? Yeah. And they kind of shot themselves in the – not shot themselves in the foot, but slowed themselves down when sure. they had to settle for, for a couple of those field goals. You know, like, like kind of changing the mode of operation after the two tight end stuff, powered them all the way inside the red zone, and then they – switch to 11 personnel and you know like i haven't been the biggest proponent proponent of 12 and and 13 this year to say the least but in this case it was working and i'm you know i'm all for stick with what's working it worked for them 44 to nothing got no complaints you knew who the better team was and now can they cap off the season with another win over a top five team that's what it all comes down to yeah i mean and, and you know offensively they had, they, you know, they scored on their first eight drives. I mean, when you go eight for eight, yes, a couple of those field goals, you would have loved for those to be uh, touchdowns, no doubt about it. But they scored on their first eight drives. I mean, that's that's pretty good. We would we would take that in any, yep. you know, any respect, any universe, right? And yeah, <laughs> you score on your first eight drives, and then you know you flip it over to the other side and you 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 pitch a shutout, right? So score on the first eight drives, pitch a shutout. That's a recipe, obviously, for success. So. You know, it was it was a good game. It was a fun game to watch. You add in the snow and all of that, and, you know, that just added to the pageantry, I guess, of college football in northern Indiana, football period in northern Indiana. And, you know, I like the way things are shaping up all the way from the head coach all the way down. I mean, things are shaping up very, very well going into yes. the final game of the season. Yep. It looked like a well-oiled machine out there. Yeah, it did. You know? There was no no playing down to the opponent, and that's the biggest thing. Go ahead, Jess. Sorry, I was muted. Good thing I was muted. Uh, I was really <laughs> impressed with the five turnovers that the defense created. That's been an mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the defensive turnover ability uh, outside of the Clemson game. And then, again, this game, it just seems like on the back half of this season that they've kind of figured things out when it comes to turnovers, and I think those are going to become important against USC. you got to be able to take drives away with them. They're going to want to get in a shootout and score a lot of points, and that's the opposite of what Notre Dame wants to do in terms of their game plan. The season could have just completely unraveled after they lose to Stanford, but instead, five straight wins now is what they've got. And they've won eight of their last nine to go with it. And who's been the starting quarterback? Drew Pine has been the the, the starting quarterback. Jess, I'll start with you on this one. What's What's all that say to you? Uh, to me, that says that a team, a team kind of found its identity, you know, on the back half of the season when it really mattered most. I think they knew what they wanted to accomplish against Stanford. It just didn't happen. Um, and then after that game, it just all clicked. They knew what they wanted to do and they started to execute. And I think most importantly, what it tells me about 
this team, Notre Dame as a team, is right now they're not built around a quarterback that needs to have all this overwhelming you know, success throwing the ball. They're going to lean on their offensive line. They're going to lean on their running backs. You know, Diggs had 15 carries, like 122, which averaged about eight yards per carry. Those are like video game type numbers. It's good to see Diggs be the back that I think that they want him to be. I think that in this, in this offense, he is the premier back because of what he can do uh, with his, his ability to one, catch the ball like Tyree, two, run downhill like Estime, but also in the hole, he can get elusive and get back up you know, to his top speed very quickly. And I think that's the difference between him and Estime is Estime is obviously good downhill, but when Estime at point of contact, it takes him a while to kind of get revved back up. But with Diggs, you see him kind of get back up to top speed much quicker than his other back. So I like those things because of you know where their offense needs to go. If this was around the horn, Jessa, you would have had a few bells dinging in there for you. <laughs> solid points, solid points. Wow, I like bing, that. We'll see how many bing. we'll see how many Vince gets. But it, it's <laughs> you bring up a good point though about Diggs, and I'm curious to see what you think about this because like what Jesse was just saying, they you know they did try with 21 personnel included. They did try to get Chris Tyree the ball a couple times, like jet sweep, you know, shovel pass type stuff. Get him outside but it just didn't work and it seems like for their mode of operation Vince that maybe Tyree is just sort of the odd man out for what they're trying to do right now well and that's a shame because they right? can still be yeah. who they are and still have that element that Chris Tyree you know that Chris Tyree brings mm-hmm. so it's a shame that they it's one or the other because it doesn't have to be one or the other it can be all of the above right and you can be that dynamic offensive football team and I think that that could be in the future, right? I don't think that, if I'm being honest, I don't think Drew Pine is the best screen thrower on the planet. <laughs> and I think that is part of it. I think Definitely. that's part of it. Now, I don't think they it's call fair, enough which of is like, them. He's, he's, he's not Brandon Wimbush, you know, can't throw the screen pass, right. but still. <laughs> but he's proved that he's not no great to at Brandon, it. but, you know. I mean, uh, you, you know. know. It, it, yeah, exactly. So, He's not great at it. I, I think that whoever's under center next year will be better at it. And, you know, Chris Tyree will most likely be back next year. You know, I'm not breaking any news here. I think we can all assume that he's going to be back. So you're still going to have that Ferrari in the garage that you need to get out in space, right? Ferraris aren't any good in the city, surrounded by other cars. See, Ferraris and that's are really why, good out in the open. That's, that's why I think... You know, we've talked about, you know, you're going to do 21 or, you know, whatever that you're going to do. That That's why I think, and I and I brought this up with one of you guys last week or, or late the week before, like, you're going to get Jadarian Price back next year. And remember, sure. with the spring that Price had, everyone thought that he was going to be the Ferrari. He was going to be the lead back of this whole group. And then he gets hurt, and look what this trio has turned into. Yeah. Now you're going to get a quartet, and you still got Jabron Payne. And who else is coming in next year? I can't think of the name off the top of my, you know, like love, love. Yeah. I mean, this stable of backs is going to grow even bigger. So there's going to be more guys in the mix and lacking a slot receiver like they do. I still think that that is what can really cause more mismatches for defenses is more of Tyree in the slot when you're using him. You know, again, you're going to have more backs. You've got even more opportunities to have two of those guys on the field at the same time. Right, you beat absolutely. me to that punch. I think that you have to play him out in the slot a little bit. And then, you know, you can do a lot with him. You can bring him in motion across the formation. You can motion him into the backfield. 
Uh, I, I just think that if you're not going to utilize him as much as you are in the run game, knowing that this offense is a lot of short, quick passes, well, why not put Tyree in the slot and use his speed, like Vince said, um, out in space? So to me, hit him in the slot, you can use him in all kinds of different motions, get into different kind of formations. You know, there's so many different things you can do. I think it, they've kind of proven that they want to stick to this Diggs estimate one-two punch. But like Vince said, you have a Ferrari in the garage that has to be used um, and can only make the offense better with his speed. So they have to find ways to utilize him best, and I think that's the slot. Yes, completely agree with that. Which which to you is more impressive, 281 yards rushing or holding BC to 51 yards? That's hard because <laughs> BC is not a great team, and you can we I think we assume that both would happen at some point. But here's what I will say. <clears throat> the way that the elements ended up affecting the second half and the way that Notre Dame affected what BC wanted to do through the air. I think it's the 50 plus yards that they got on the ground as a team, because, you know, yes, sack numbers are obviously part of that, but at the same time, that was the only way BC was going to be able to move the football, especially when the snow started coming down. They were trying to run the ball. Yeah, and that's they were the just thing. not like, successful at it. Like Jeff Halfley seemed very content just to let some clock run there in the yep. second half when they had the ball just handed off a few times. <laughs> Keep the clock running. He knew he knew he wasn't coming back from that. I'm not saying right. that he threw in the in the towel and just completely quit, but you could tell. And that's why to me the 281 is more impressive because yeah like what you just like part of that 51 came from the fact that they were content to run the ball when when nobody cared if they ran the ball in the second half and two they were only averaging 61 yards a game you know and their defense statistically was decent so and they give a little they gave little resistance to Notre Dame all day long and that's what impressed me is like again there was no doubt who the better team was and and oh yeah that stat right there showed it I'm going to have to lean towards holding Boston College to only 56 yards on the ground. I think that that's Notre Dame's glaring weakness right now on defense. I think they have a solid defensive line. Obviously, their secondary is very solid, uh, but their linebackers and the, and the ability to fill the run has been the issue. And so when you can, when you can, you know, you can address those issues and hold a team to only, you know, 55 rushing yards uh, after sacks and all that, I, I still am going to take that because I've seen this running attack before. It's almost kind of, expected unfortunately as bad of it as as 280 on the ground is to say it's expected i'm i just don't expect the defense to hold a team to 56 rushing yards all right all right so all right whatever <laughs> <laughs> so steve angeli didn't play some people kind of got triggered by the fact that angeli <laughs> they did didn't play and it came up at the press conference today i won't play the sound bite because it's pretty cut and dry basically it comes down to this he's played in two games so far this year and so where they were with the bc game you had bc usc in a bowl game that's three two plus three equals five you can play in four games in a season and still keep your red shirt so if they had played him he remember he's the number two quarterback so that if they had played him against boston college and then something happens to drew pine in one of these last two games against usc or the bowl game and Steve Angeli has to play in both of those games, then you're going to burn his red shirt because you decided to give him some, you know, some some junk minutes in the fourth right. quarter in a blowout game. It would have been nice to get him in, but for that reason, I, you, you know, like 
let's let's say in two years with all this high-end quarterback talent coming in, Steve Angeli decides he wants to go someplace. Or, you yeah. know, let's say, you know, whatever. Like, I think it would be doing him a disservice to Correct. yank a game away from him just for a few snaps in the second half of a game that you're you're just blowing out BC. Well, and that's exactly what it would have been, too. It would have been a few snaps because Notre Dame got the ball twice in the fourth quarter, right? They got it three times total in the second half, okay? They scored a touchdown on the first one. And then the second one, they went, what? Uh, they, they Oh, yeah, they turned the ball over on downs, right? Because they went for it on fourth and whatever, fourth and one down there, you know, at the goal line. And then they punted after three plays. Mm-hmm. Is that going to make Steve Angeli better? Handing off in a snowstorm? Number one, no, I don't think it is. And number two, you are not preserving his red shirt for the benefit of Notre Dame. You are preserving his red shirt for the benefit of Steve Angeli. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Period. Exactly. And there's no, you're you're telling me that burning his red shirt to hand off the ball seven times because they're not meaningful enough snaps like steve angeli is not learning anything like getting better for the future like to compete for a job by handing off a few times against boston college on a couple series in the second half after they put in the number two offensive line as well exactly exactly there was no absolutely no point of getting him in that game in particular now if they were if if it was a different situation and let's say notre dame is uh, they were blowing them out in the third quarter. It was 44 to nothing, right? If it was nice weather and you actually want him to run the offense and all of those different things, and it wasn't going to burn his red shirt, then by all means, go ahead. But the way that game played out and the, the weather conditions and all that, he is gaining nothing from being in that game at that point. You have to be smart about it because you may need him against USC. You may need him in a bowl game. Yeah, you don't you need you to be smart. You don't know. You yeah. just don't know. Exactly. I'm just glad that uh, there was a rhyme or reason because I remember watching live and I was like, why is Pine still in there? But obviously I wasn't thinking about the whole red shirt scenario. Um, and yeah, like like you guys said, there's just no reason to burn, you know, three meaningless drives in the snow on on a whole year of eligibility. It's just a disservice to him, uh, who, you know, his his development and, and his career longevity at Notre Dame. And, and then most importantly, you know, you need you need him ready or you need him potentially against USC because, you know, if worse comes to worse and something happens to Pine, that's obviously the more, very, very more important uh, situation that he would have to play in. Right. Now, some actual news, I think anyway, speaking of the quarterback front, on the guy who started out the season as the quarterback, <laughs> Tyler Buckner, injured his shoulder, of course, against Marshall in week two of the season non-throwing shoulder but Marcus Freeman said last week it came up during his Thursday zoom that uh, he was doing some stuff at practice light work not padded you know not you know running you know full plays and any of that kind of stuff but doing some different drills and then at some point it turned into well is Tyler Buckner going to play in the bowl could he play in the bowl and this kind of I don't know where all of that started but I asked Marcus Freeman today if there is a scenario where Tyler Buckner could actually play in Notre Dame's bowl game, considering that's four or five months away and he's starting to do some stuff. And here's what Marcus Freeman said. To be determined, um, right now our docs are 
not 100% sure that would be based on how he progresses over these next couple weeks. You know, he's practicing more. Um, obviously, there's no contact with him. And so we'll see if it's what's best for him and he can be full go and, and um, be able to be healthy and protect himself uh, and prepare for a bowl game. Then shoot with no hesitation to give him that opportunity. But that's still to be determined. So he's definitely saying there's a chance, guys. Right. What do you think? Go ahead, Jess. I'll let you lead off on this one. I kind of touched on this a little bit last week. It makes me very weary because you have a lot of momentum going forward right now with a guy who has proven himself as a quarterback. He's eight and nine, or sorry, he's eight and one as a starter. Um, and and look at you know some of those wins. He he has wins over BYU, Syracuse, Clemson, North Carolina, potentially USC. I just don't – I don't want that to become something that distracts these guys ahead of a bowl game. But then also I would like the the some like the competition of it, right? You want to have your best players playing in the bowl game. But at the same time, you don't want any distractions. And kind of what I was saying last week, if Tyler Buckner is truly 100% healthy, I think he deserves a shot. And I'll tell you why, because a lot of people are giving him criticism on how he played against Ohio State and Marshall and at, against Ohio State and Marshall this offensive line this run game this coaching staff were nowhere near the you know where they are now this everyone developed you know in these games that he was out he has not developed and so that's another thing that plays into the synchronization of an offense but Tyler Buckner adds a different element to Notre Dame's offense that could only make it better because of with his run game or sorry their run game that they've already established if he pulls that ball, that is another element that defenses have to worry about in covering him. So if he can, if you can definitely say that he makes the offense better, if he's ready to make the offense better and he can make those reads and the synchronization is there, sure, play him. But don't just play him to play him. Drew Pine has proven himself as a starter. He's proven himself as a winner this season. And I think there's something to finishing out the season, you know, with what, what you have going on. But there is definitely – there's definitely advantage to playing Buckner because he adds a, another dimension that teams have to worry about or be you know cognizant of on defense, and his legs can burn you. He's a very good runner. Jesse, if you're thinking about running for Senate, I would do it sooner than later while the filibuster is still in effect. <laughs> <laughs> He's not old enough, all right? Run for state senator, um, I think. I'll let Vince answer in a second, but just to answer the question that comedy lover uh, did we ever establish for sure that a bowl game counts as a game for redshirt purposes? It does. A game is a game is a game, basically. Right. It's right. I don't know where that... regular season and bowl game. That's why a lot of times you see young guys who haven't played much get into a bowl game. It's right. yeah, it's they're all games, just like the stats from bowl games count towards your, you know, your single season records and all that kind of stuff. It it counts as a right. game. It's you're you're playing a game, it counts as a game. It's not you know, a lot of people look at them, the non-playoff games, as quote-unquote exhibitions, but it counts for your record. It counts for everything. So, yes, it counts. I, you know, as far as whether you play Buckner or not, the the first question you have to ask yourself, is he 100% healthy? If he's 100% healthy, then the answer is super easy for me. 100% you play him. No question. Now, I'm not saying start him. I'm still giving Drew the start. I'm not starting Tyler Buckner in the bowl game, okay? Drew Pine has has led this team. At that point, he will at that point he'll be 9 and 1. 
okay, as a starter. <laughs> and so you there you go, Vince. Yeah, baby. You give him the start because he deserves the start, okay? But you play Tyler Buckner, and maybe it looks very similar to what they were doing when Jack Cohn was the starter last year. That's fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, I would actually enhance his his package a little bit so that he's actually throwing the football and doing some different things. Yeah. Because that's going to give us a lot more of a leg to stand on throughout the offseason when we're talking about who should be the starter next year and all of those different things. See him back there picking apart defenses, doing those things. You 100% play Tyler Buckner. I have no problem with that. If he's 100% healthy, that's the key. You, yes. If he's 100% healthy, you can't be scared to play him. Right. Because if you're scared to play him now, you're going to be scared to play him in the fall? Like, If he's if he's no. 100%, he's got just as much of risk of, as anyone of getting hurt. Right. Anyone can get hurt on any given play. It's football. It's yeah, context right. work. You can't. So, yeah, if they clear him and they say he's 100% and he feels 100%, there's no reason not to. But I agree with what you're saying. I would still start Drew Pine, but Absolutely. I would get Tyler Buckner in in relative similar fashion how they did it last year. Get him, you know, a, a couple series maybe, maybe interspersed throughout the game. But then, like you said, he's actually running the offense. He's not just, oh, I'm Tyler Buckner. I, I, you know, I'm going to run the ball on this play or, or right. whatever. He's running a real series, but but get him in there because there's no reason not to. He can still bring a change of pace. And then if you know if, if you're at a point in that game after you've been playing Buckner for for whatever, and you know, like if it's tight and maybe Drew Pine isn't on his game or you know, whatever, and, and Tyler Buckner has excelled, there's no reason not to. You know, right. like stick with him at that point. But as Jess said, the offensive line is a heck of a lot better now than when we saw Tyler Buckner the first time. It's completely different. The running right. backs have a different confidence about them. Everything. Oh. It's it's a different team yeah, right now. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. But he was the starting quarterback. Now, you know, and I, you know, again, if he's 100%, again, I'm not saying starting, but I'm saying get him in there yeah. somehow. There's no reason not to. It's not a college football playoff game. And now, he's, like already, said, he's already going to redshirt. Because yeah. he played two games and That's true there's only too. two left, right? Yeah. So he's already guaranteed to have a red shirt. So you don't have to worry about that, right? So, you know, I am a, I am a pretty firm believer with a few exceptions here and there that you should not be benched for an injury. You should at least have an opportunity to win your job back. And again, I'm right. not saying you start him in the bowl game. I'm not saying that. And now I'm it's saying interesting you gotta play him. Because, you know, somebody said when Jesse was talking, like Jesse said that that Pine is, you know, eight and one as a starter, which is true. But, is. you know, like as somebody said, that it, you know, they're not Drew Pine's wins. They're the team's wins. And, you know, That's, like, yeah, there aren't many games where I think you would say they won in spite of Drew Pine. You know, there are a couple games where you'd say, well, of course he contributed or yeah, a couple games where you'd say he contributed to the loss. That's for sure. Right. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, like when you look eight and one record, what's this team built on? It's built on the fact that it's running the heck out of the football mm -hmm. right now. They're protecting Drew Pine basically as much as they can. They're asking him to do as little as possible. So while Drew Pine has, you know, they beat Clemson with Drew Pine. It, 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 so as he has moved into that sort of, game manager role i guess is the best thing you know the, the the that's essentially what it is is he's moved into that he's comfortable with what he's doing and 
there's no reason not to add a different element to the offense if it's available and the guy's healthy. Right. You know, I, I understand that that quarterbacks quarterbacks don't win and lose you games. And I'm a big proponent of that because I think too often quarterbacks get the most criticism of wins and losses. But what I will say is that the quarterback position has the most impact on the outcome of a game. A poor quarterback performance is going to lose you games, right? More than anything else, like a poor wide receiver performance, a poor running back performance, a poor quarterback performance has the most impact on the game. And I, I again, I don't, I know he hasn't won, you know, definitely been the, the reason why he's won you games, but he did a great job against Clemson and what he was able to do with that game plan, how he was, you know, getting in and out of the huddle, all of those things. I know that he doesn't make all the flashy plays with his arms, but there's other ways that quarterbacks win you uh, the game. So I just, I, my biggest thing, like Vince was saying, I don't want to see him play if he's not hundred percent ready. And I don't want to see rhythm thrown off. I just want what's best for the team. And I think he can add definitely another dimension well, with, with what he, his packages that he can bring. But the other part of that is if, if Buckner is progressing and he's practicing with the team during bowl prep, you know, that gives him extra time to kind of get, into whatever rhythm and figure out what he can and can't do and that kind of stuff. You know, again, as Marcus Freeman, they're they're not just going to throw him out there to throw him out there. First and foremost, he's going to have to be healthy and, and he's going to have to be able to do it. And it's I think it's it is important to remember it's his non-throwing shoulder. So that's right. That's true. You know, that's a pretty important aspect of it as well. Like when you talk about his passing and stuff like that. And look, of course you don't want to you don't want to see him get hurt. You don't want that because he needs another full spring. Right. And you don't want him to have to go back and have surgery and all of those different things. You don't want that, but you can't coach like that. That that's not, you can't coach football. Well, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Like, yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Uh, interesting. Jesse sent me this today. The Bolitnikov oh. Award semifinalist list came out. And, of course, USC wide receiver Jordan Addison is uh, is on that list. It's interesting that he is going to be the fourth receiver who is on this Bolitnikoff semifinalist list that Notre Dame has faced this season. Hmm. You've got Josh Downs from North Carolina, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, and Zay Flowers made the list as well from Boston College, who we just saw this weekend. Downs, only five catches for 32 yards. He did have a couple touchdowns against Notre Dame. Harrison, five catches for 56 yards against Notre Dame, and Flowers, three for 46. Now, Jordan Addison's going to be a little bit bigger challenge, I think. And I, and I was talking to the USC guy, and we'll have that interview up here on the site within a day or two. But I think the bigger challenge 
with USC compared to these other teams is the fact that they've got a deeper wide receiver Bingo. room than some of these other teams. Nailed it. The the other team, yes, Notre Dame did a very good job against those number one receivers. There's no doubt about it. And if that was all that USC had in the passing game, I would feel very confident about Notre Dame shutting him down. The problem is they've got more than just Addison to throw the ball to. They've got some dynamic guys on their offense. And so he is the recipient of a lot of one-on-one coverage, you know, and Notre Dame is going to be tasked to not only stop these receivers, but to stop the guy throwing them, them the ball. So it's going to be very difficult. I, I would imagine if I was a betting man, I would say that Addison is going to have the best stats of those four guys when it's all said and done. But again, that's because of the some of the parts around him that allow him to get those yards. Another reason I sent you that, that list is, you know, Brock Bowers is on that list as a tight end, despite Michael, Michael oh, Mayer having... I- having more more overall wow. yards, receptions, and receiving touchdowns. That was another big reason I sent it to you is one, because yes, four Notre Dame wide receivers, teams that or four wide receivers that Notre Dame have faced are on there. Uh, but the fact that Brock Bowers is on there despite having not as good numbers as Michael Mayer is the is one of the biggest disservices again I've seen this season. Ridiculous. I don't understand what the national perception is that that Michael what Michael Mayer has to prove over Brock Bowers, but it seems like Brock Bowers is getting all this recognition. He's on a he's on a Blitnikoff finalist, and it's it's a wide receiver award. And you're not even putting the best tight end in the country right now in in, in terms of stats on the list. So that's another big reason why I I, I sent that to you, and I, I probably should have clarified. But I mean, not I to mention busy the fact work day. That, not to mention the fact that it, and yeah, it slipped right by me because I was just scanning and I was like, oh, look at all these guys that Notre Dame has played. That's on. I wasn't even thinking about. Brock ba- and actually it did cross my mind. I was like, oh, was Mayer on this list possibly somehow? But yeah, there you go. 59 catches, 711 yards. Brock Bowers uh and seven touchdowns. Brock Bowers, 41 catches, 625 and four. The numbers are just ridiculous. And my point was going to be if not for Michael Mayer, there would be no passing game for this offense. No doubt. Right. You know, like he means more to his to. team than what Bowers means to Georgia. Absolutely, he does. The only difference is Brock Bowers plays in the SEC. Yep. I'll it, say it. There it is. I'm saying it. <laughs> Someone needed to say it. Yep. Yeah. Go back to the go back oh, to the Buckner conversation here, real quick. Matt Romero says, start pine, limit the variables. Buckner is the better quarterback, but the staff had to change a lot to get this offense working right. I'd want the only variable to be the other team, not my quarterback situation i I see yeah uh, yeah i think it it makes a lot of sense and you know this goes back to what we said early in the season as we saw drew pine in this when when we saw successful drew pine there early on completely different offense that he was running than what tyler buckner got to run just because tyler buckner can run right doesn't mean they couldn't be running this full offense that they're that they've been running with drew pine that's what they need he needs that offense And then you add his dimension of, of running to go along with it. You you don't need to change your offense because Buckner is at quarterback. You don't. Exactly. He needs to run the exact same offense. He's got a stronger arm than Drew Pine. He can throw deep too, right? He can make all the reads that Drew Pine can make. You just add in a little bit of read option here and there, and you've got yourself a more dynamic quarterback. Exactly. Period. Instead of handing the ball off, you pull it every day. Yeah, That's exactly. the only difference that you should see. And you don't have to change anything with the offensive line. You don't have to change anything with the wide receivers, the tight end, nothing. You don't have to change anything. You right. just 
you have a more dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. Period. Absolutely. Fair point USMA makes, USMA 87. I think Tyler Buckner playing question will come down to what bowl, New Year's Six versus lower level. Do you guys think it matters what kind of bowl they're playing in when we're talking about this decision potentially? I honestly don't because if they're playing in a New Year's Six bowl, I think the competition is going to be a lot easier than if they play in the lower level bowl because <laughs> if they play in a lower level bowl, they're going to be playing a Pac-12 team, an SEC team, or a Big Ten team. If they play in a New Year's Six bowl, they're playing UCF, Tulane or Cincinnati. The, the competition is going to be tougher if they're playing in a different bowl. Yeah, I, that's actually an, a good point that I hadn't thought about there. It, it, it shouldn't really matter the bowl game. It should just be a matter of what's your best chance of success offensively. What's going right. to get you the most points? And again, yes, it counts as a game, just like we were talking about with, you know, like the whole eligibility thing and the stats and it counts on your one loss record you know for example like we were talking about that i think it was two yeah it was 2017 the season after you know the horrible season but you know that they were nine and three in the regular season they beat lsu in a bowl game and they ended up with you know that's when the double digit win streak started was then you know and like that to me like if they can beat usc this week and then have a chance to win a bowl that's really the biggest thing going forward is you've got a chance to keep that double digit win streak alive and and that sure. kind of, yeah. so <laughs>